I turned alcohol to numb that pain. And I was still talking to God. I just felt like the pain was just overwhelming me. So I got a DUI. And that was a real wake-up call for me because I needed, and I could feel God just tugging on me, like, stop relying on the world and the things and the crutches of the world when you have me. Hi, it's me, Donnalisa Valencia, lovingly known as DL. And before we get started with this week's episode, I would love and appreciate with all my heart if you would hit subscribe on this podcast. That's the best way for you to stay tuned to future episodes. Plus, it keeps all of us around the world connected to the peace and joy that comes with high vibe connection. Today, I'll be sharing more stories of life lessons filled with wisdom, intuition, lots and lots of aha moments, and most importantly, deep connection to an energy that is beyond words. When you choose to tap into it, your life's journey of evolution and transformation is filled with manifestations that are simply magical. You become a part of the light of love peace and joy that creates a domino effect of energy around our planet as you make your dreams come true in ways you never imagined. In this episode, we get to hear the stories of Rhonda Marsh. She is a very dear friend of mine who I affectionately refer to as Southern Draw Rhonda. She is an award-winning, extremely creative tattoo artist who will release to the world in 2024, speaking of making dreams come true, her very first dreamed of raw and real book, about meeting devastating, heartbreaking challenges head on. How'd she do it? With a deep knowing she is guided and protected by an all-loving God. I promise when she launches her speaking platform this year, her stories of surviving and thriving will let you know you can get through anything. We are all one-of-a-kind amazing spirits, each continually transforming as both our joyful and our painful moments become the tapestry of our personal evolution. Rhonda speaks directly to that. We allow ourselves to connect more deeply with these experiences to the feminine divine, to source, to mother nature, to all that is, to the way of the Tao, to an energy that I love calling God. So are you ready? It's time for another episode of High Vibe Connection with me, D.L. Hi, beautiful Rhonda. How are you? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Oh, I just want to say, seeing you, I am fabulous. I am just loving the fact that we are here in little old East Tennessee and it's going to be 80 degrees today. Just want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You are 
glorious. Look at how your light is just shining. You are just radiant. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's such an honor. Oh my gosh, the honor is mine. When I made the choice to invite each of my guests, I have to let you know that you are one of the very first guests that I chose. And the reason is the journey that you and I have been on through the years of staying connected. And the funny thing is neither of us even remembers how we first met. There was just this moment (laughs) when we met somewhere in this part of Knoxville, Tennessee, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. Right. I, I honestly have no idea. I cannot remember, but I do know it's been at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. And what I always think of when I think about you is that you are a survivor. You are courageous. You refuse to give up no matter what life gives you, knowing that there is this beautiful divine energy that is with you every single moment of the day. And I got to tell you, I just got goosebumps saying that (laughs) because I know that you love shining your radiant light, knowing that it is connected with this divine, beautiful, high connection energy, no matter what is going on. Not that you are perfect. None of us are perfect. I love that expression. We are perfectly imperfect. That is that is the beauty of being in physical form, spirits in physical form. We're supposed to be imperfect, right? This is right. This is molding of our of our of our essence of our of our evolution. So what I would love for you to share with our listeners right now, let's just start at the very beginning. And let's start with what does high vibe connection mean to you? What is your high vibe daily connection? My high vibe daily connection is my uh, spiritual connection with God, whom I I have a term of endearment for God. I call him Papa, and he's my Papa. And so, you know, uh, he's such my Papa. And so if I didn't have that to go to every day, because I know that he, he, his way is, is the best way. And I think a lot of in my life, I fought against that until I finally just submitted. So that's, that's what I go to. I go to, to uh, devotionals. I go to motivation. I go to preaching. Um, um, just that, without that connection with him, I feel lost. I feel totally lost. And I always say that, um, you know, I'm stitched. I am made entirely of flaws stitched together with good intentions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. That reminds me of the, uh, the cloak of many colors. I guess I think of Dolly Parton again, goosebumps. Look at this. We've only just begun the podcast and I'm already getting the goosebumps and the tears, right? Awesome. That to me, by the way, is my daily indication of God. I too refer to this divine source energy as God. I always have. And with that, I am very connected to the energy of Jesus, of source, of the universe, of the divine feminine, of mother nature, of the way of the Tao, of all that is. I am just intoxicated 
by this plethora of energy that we choose to name it whatever we want to name it. But ultimately, it is this energy that, oh my gosh, like you said, it takes me through every moment of every day. Yes. Tell me this. When you're having those really difficult moments, how do you walk through them? What is the first thing you tell yourself in order to remember you are loved, you are protected, you are taken care of? Uh, The first thing that I remember is um, I have to stop controlling the things that are out of my control. So many things are out of my control, but he's on the throne He has control, so I'm able to give those things up to him and just realize that his will for my life is the best choice. It is the best will. And, you know, our spirit and our flesh wants to fight against that. It's like, no, I got this, Lord, you know, and he's like, no, you don't have anything. You think you have it, but you don't. So I am in constant pursuit of talking and and having not not just talking to him, but letting him talk back to me and having relationship. I am by no means religious, um, but I do have relationship. And without that relationship, I find myself completely lost. Oh, you just again said something that I am going to believe resonates deeply with our listeners. And it is also the essence of what this podcast, it's all about high vibe connection, is all about. It's that this is not about religion. This is about connection, relationship with this beautiful divine energy. Yes. I was watching last night, finishing up a series uh, chosen on Netflix. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just astounding how they have uh, uh, portrayed this time in the journey of Jesus. And what I absolutely loved is how they ended the series when Jesus says to the woman at the well, it is not about a temple. It is not about going to a place to worship God. You can if you'd like to, but her big conundrum was, I am not allowed to go to the temple because of how people look at me. And as a result, I have a sense of loss that I feel like I cannot connect with God because I have been told you are not worthy. And what does Jesus say to her? That it is not about that physical space. It is not about the religion, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's about the relationship and specifically what Jesus says is, it's the connection of the spirit and the heart with this beautiful divine energy. So thank you, thank you for bringing that so early into this conversation. I just will say, ka-ching, bingo. It's not ka-ching, it's just bingo. Bingo. (laughs) So let's go back, Rhonda. 
Okay. So a little girl. Okay. And I'd like you to share with us a bit of your journey in what your faith was early on and how it has evolved to where you are right now. Because again, this is one of the reasons I have invited you to be a guest. Your journey is intense. And like myself, we've gone through a darn lot. Goosebumps again, right? That is yeah. one of our, our greatest connections. We have been served a boatload of experiences. And I always count on the fact that I know, God knows, I can get through it. Even when I'm crying, I'm like, hello, can we just give me a little bit of a break? <laughs> I'm exhausted. I so relate. <laughs> exactly. So if you could share with our listeners how you have evolved from a little girl and just give us a snapshot of where you were to, to your evolution to where you are. Hmm. I was raised uh, always in church, uh, first a Methodist church, and I was very involved in youth group. And then as I grew older, um, I went to a Pentecostal church. I actually sang on their worship team for a long time, but it never, it, it felt like um, uh, uh I, I loved being there, but I always felt a little bit worse when I would leave. Like I wasn't good enough. No matter what I did, it wasn't going to be enough. Um, so I decided to leave that and went to kind of another Pentecostal church, uh, but it was a church of God. And it was uh, more man-led, and I could tell that as I was going through, and I was doing a lot of artwork for this church. And so finally, I realized I am totally serving God out of fear, out of sheer fear. If I had a flat on Wednesday, I mean on Thursday, and I wasn't in church Wednesday night, God was punishing me. And um, that was the, the kind of the scrutiny that I was under, but it wasn't how I was raised. So it just always felt a little bit wrong to me. Nothing against those religions. Um, they're just trying to, to live strictly by the word, period. But it was a little radical for me. I can remember like, uh, a sermon one time when the pastor said, what would you give up for Jesus? What When they were talking about how the rich man obtained the kingdom of heaven, would you give it all up and follow me? And of course, the rich man couldn't. And in my spirit, I had a, a car, a Trans Am that I love. And I said, I will give this to you. And I sold it and I never cashed the check. I signed it over and put it in the offering plate. Now, since then, this church has went under, but God sees why I did it. So, and everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, you belong to a cult. You know, this isn't right. And and I just thought, what, what sacrifice could I give to the Lord that I love to show him how much that I would give up everything to follow him? And it started with that car that I just rebuilt from the ground up. So, um, so finally I just took a break and I started 
really asking myself really tough questions. Like I'm serving out of sheer fear. Um, does God even love me? Does he, uh, you know, I, 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 I have felt God earlier on, like in my career. So uh, my mom started saying, you know, hey, watch Joel Osteen. Now I know Joel Osteen is, is a, you know, he's a, a, a what he, prosperity, but his calling is to teach about God's love for you no matter what. And so I learned through just taking that break from church, watching Joel Osteen on TV, that God really does love us through our faults, through our flaws, through our mistakes, through everything. He loves, absolutely loves us. And I like like in the movie, The Shack, where um, God says, I'm so fond of you. That has always stayed with me. When I pray, I said, Lord, I'm just so fond of you. And thank you for being so fond of me. And that's just one of another term of endearment. And, um, and so I started going to a non-denominational church and they it immediately felt like home. There was no, uh, it's a come as you are. Hey, if you're in the pastor wears jeans and t-shirts and he's funny and he talks in series and he talks about everyday things that are going on in our world, you know, and he does preach by the word and what happened years and years ago, but he teaches us how to deal with them today. What you're going through today. He's so transparent. He even talks about his own mistakes like getting road rage. And then I think, okay, this is a pastor that is so transparent that he even tells us when he gets mad out there in the world. And so I have a lot of respect for that because he's like, hey, I'm just like you. I go through the same things. I feel worry. I feel anxiety. And I know, and I'm close to the Lord, but it's, I felt, I finally learned the love that God has for me. I said early on in this conversation, you are courageous. You just gave an amazing illustration of your courage, starting with that trans M, because I cannot tell you at my young age that as devoted as I was to figuring stuff out, that I would have been willing to sell my Mustang. I'm just saying that. Yeah. It was a hard thing for me to do. I mean, I wrestled with it. And there was a guy at the church that every time I would go, he'd say, oh, your Trans Am is so beautiful. And I had a 98 Ram Air. I mean, all, you know, rebuilt from the ground up. It was my project car. And so, it, it and even after, and here's a little transparency, even after I put the, sold it to him, put the check in the offering plate, I couldn't let it go for a minute because I would pass him on my way to work. And I was like, oh, there's my car, you know. And one of my girlfriends said, hey, you haven't really given it to God yet until you let it go. You have to let it go. You did it. You did it for all the right reasons, but you're still kind of hanging on to that. So once I let it go, and, and here's a, a funny thing, like two years later, he was having a baby 
and asked me, did I want to buy it back at a lesser cost? In which I prayed to God and he said, I saw what you did and I'm going to give it back to you. And I bought it back. Oh, okay. Talking about a wraparound story, you again illustrated that when we walk through our fears, when we connect with that beautiful divine energy, that knowing that just allow ourselves to release the things that we perceive are greatness that are tangible to, and I'm talking about things such as a job that we don't like or that we really like because we're making a lot of money, but something inside of us is driving us to leave it, to do what we know we're meant to do, which is truly part of my journey. And hearing you share that and then knowing that you later, it talks about, we don't have any idea the plans of God. We have no idea how magnificent they are. Who would have ever thought you'd get the car back? You did. Thank you. Uh, I used to like buy things to search out my happiness and it would make me happy for a minute. And then it was gone. And everything that I was really searching for, and I think a lot of people are guilty of shopping or buying or this is going to make me happy. And then it does temporarily and then the newness of it wears off and then their happiness is gone. I started learning that I just had too many things that I was doing trying to buy my happiness and everything that I was looking for all was there all along. It was in my relationship with God. Oh, again, bingo. Yay. (laughs) And that was a huge revelation for me because I just kept thinking, why aren't I happy? Why isn't this happy? Why am I choosing wrong things? Why am I doing wrong things? And, And I just felt like one day the Lord was just screaming at me like, hey, it's me. It's always been me. It's I've always been there with you. Why do you search for outside sources to make you happy? That's why you're not happy. Let's talk about today. This time and space. Okay. If you can share with our audience some of the most trying journeys that you feel safe in sharing with the world. And I will emphasize this is going out to the world. Maybe one, maybe even just one journey of something that you've been walking through that has been very trying and very difficult, perhaps very heartbreaking, that even in those darkest moments, you manage to remind yourself, I'm not in this alone. Two years ago, I mean, there was a time uh, when three very close people to me passed away, back to back to back, and I turned alcohol to numb that pain. And I was still talking to God. I just felt like the pain was just overwhelming me. So I got a DUI, and that was a real wake-up call for me because I needed, and I could feel God just 
tugging on me, like stop relying on the world and the things and the crutches of the world when you have me. But I, I, I still did it anyway, you know, and it was also like, I didn't want to go home and be alone. And I just, it was a social setting. I thought I had a lot of friends. I realized when I quit drinking, I really didn't have the friends that I thought that I had. And I was still going to church and to be totally transparent. Sometimes I would leave out of church on Wednesday and drive to the bar with my church shirt on. I mean, it was crazy, but, um, I got the DUI and then I really, really slowed down. And then like six months later, I got another one for sitting in my car, calling my daughter for a ride home. So the first one, I really felt like Papa was saying, okay, this has been a long time coming. I've let you get away with it for a season. I've been warning you that this season is over and um, i you know, I, I don't want you to drink. So I sort of took it. I don't want you to drink and drive. So, um, so I, the second one, I felt like it was totally unjustified. I didn't know the DUI laws. I didn't, it was in December and I had my heater on. So therefore my car was started, but I was calling for a ride home. And that's when it really hit me. That's when God was saying, Hey, It's not that I don't want you to drink and drive. I don't want you to drink, period. I am trying to take this out of your life. And it was so hard because being in the public eye, owning a business, uh, it was uh, rumors just flying around and people talking, you know, as if uh, their walls couldn't talk. And, um, And I just totally owned it. I didn't try to dismiss it. I didn't, you know, I said, yes, this happened. But I realized the second time that God was saying, hey, I was, uh, hello, Uh, I don't want you to do this anymore. And the second time uh, they put me on what was called a pretrial. So I had to blow in this blower every day, five times a day. So I couldn't even drink at home. I mean, you could not drink at all. And so, uh, and I thought, what am I going to do without this crutch? And, and God was saying, now, now I got your attention. And I literally would lay on the floor and purge all my hurt out. And I realized you have got to change your life 100%. You've got to, I knew that I had a gift from God that I was running from. I knew that I had a gift of public speak. I knew that I had uh, a testimony that could help other women. And I was choosing all the wrong things, toxic relationship after toxic relationship, you know, and making very wrong decisions. But God used, and he always does what was meant for my harm, for my good. Because now I don't drink anymore. Hallelujah. I don't need that. I don't desire it. I prayed, you know, first, uh, the first couple months was hard. I was on my knees. I was, take this from me, God, just take the desire away from me. And so now I'm able to, I've already went through the court process. Luckily, God let them make it really easy on me. I didn't get, um, the punishment that I should have gotten, but I think I punished myself more 
than any court system ever could because I just felt like I had let the Lord down so much by using this as a crutch. So this completely changed my life and God took what was meant for my bad and turned it to my good. And he said, you know what? Even this is part of your testimony. Even this we're going to use as I want you to go out and do motivational speaking and help women with toxic relationships or even men. Um, you know, like the saying goes, when you're drinking, you're not thinking and you're just, you know, you're kind of all over the place. So the last year when I gave it up and you and I reconnected and you told me about the total transformation Zoom course and 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 I was like, like at the bottom. And so and I knew it was a commitment. It was a 12 week commitment. Uh, I did it and I I didn't know how to love myself. I knew how to love alcohol, my kids, um, God, everybody else. But to love myself seemed very foreign to me because I always put everything and everybody else first. And I put myself last. So when when um, Sherry in the class was saying, you have to love yourself first and most, I thought, well, that's ridiculous because, you know, I've loved my kids first and most. And and then I realized what she meant was if I don't love myself first and most, how can I really properly love anybody else? Rhonda, you get to love yourself most. Not only do you get to, it is imperative mm-hmm. because by loving yourself most, you are able to release all of that shame and that judgment, and you are able to then fulfill our number one purpose, which is to love ourselves and to love others. I always say it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, that that happened, that that was just a pure blessing in disguise that I, but it was hard. And so I realized, you know, I've got to work on me. I've got all these toxic relationships that I've been in. Um, I haven't met my Mr. Right to this day. I, you know, I, I, I'm picking all the wrong things, seeing all the red flags and ignoring them, thinking little old me is going to make a big difference. And, and no, and then I, and trying to fix other people, I was getting broken and I was already broken and I wanted to be whole and I wanted to be healed more than anything. You speak of the fact, and I, I, <clears throat> my voice is a little tight from laryngitis, so I'm just pushing through it here. You speak of the fact that you felt like you let God down. And one of the things that I have worked through tremendously in my life, having grown up Catholic, and I love acknowledging that I'm Catholic. It is, I am honored to have been baptized in the Catholic religion. When I went to the Vatican, I just cried looking at the Pieta, everything. But there is something about the religion that has always been hard on me the way it's been taught. It's something that I have, I have um, pondered since I was a little girl. And that is the shame and the judgment that comes from the teachings 
So my question to you, and I understand why shame and judgment exist. I, I truly do. But I believe there has to be balance. And I believe that part of the reason many people have strayed from the religious entities is because shame and judgment historically has been used to keep people fearful. Yes. What you have just shared is that you had a sense of fear in the sense of feeling that you had let God down and fearing your choices. And, but you, you were able to keep going. How did you push away shame and judgment to love yourself? Uh, lots and lots and lots of prayer. Um, uh, I learned how to do the breathing mantras, which really helped. Uh, I did not complete the whole course, but I did get so much out of the course, but there was, there was a lot of homework and stuff that I just didn't have time for. Um, but it, it was so good for me because she provoked so much thought. And she, she just kept saying, you got to love yourself first and most. You got to love yourself first and most. So I started asking the Lord, how do I do that? And he said, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before. And so he, you know, I always fall back on Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to bring you hope and a future. And I don't believe he wants us just to have a future, but a good future. Because any person that loves their child, which he's our father, they want good for their children. So not just a mediocre life, but they want a good life for their children. And so I'm seeing that living out with my daughters right now, having, you know, a wonderful lives, you know? And um, so I pushed through it with that, but I also was very open to, I was doing a lot of reading. I read a book called I Do Hard Things. And it was, uh, you know, a very interactive book. You would read and then you would write and you would journal. And I started journaling and I would, and I love Casting Crowns, absolutely my favoriteest, favoriteest worship band ever, and Jeremy Camp. And so uh, Mark of Casting Crowns is, uh, he also has books. And so, and he's, he's dyslexic. A lot of people don't know that about him, but he is dyslexic, but his books are, and his devotionals are awesome. But Joyce Meyer is She's just my absolute favorite. I love Stephen Furtick, but I love Joyce Meyer because Joyce Meyer is an overcomer of her testimony. I mean, what she has been through being molested by her father her whole life and, and, you know, getting married at a young age and just being, I mean, how, and I'm thinking if this lady can forgive her father and be an overcomer by her testimony then, I mean, I would just look at her in awe and I would say, you know, and, and she was also ridiculed for being a female pastor. 
and she's funny. She's witty. She uh, people can relate to her. And I just, I just really started listening to her a lot. I mean, I have her app. So there's a 20 minute uh, video message and a devotional. And every day on my way to work, I would listen to her. And I also started following Trent Shelton, who is my favorite motivational speaker. And Trent's all about protecting your peace and getting rid of toxic people and toxic situations in your life, no matter how bad it hurts. That it is a must for you to have peace and to protect that peace at all costs. And so, and that that also goes in line with having boundaries. You have to set healthy boundaries. And I didn't have boundaries. I was just letting people just walk all over me. And so I started to just really journal, get in that, write notes from Joyce's sermons, I write notes from Trent Shelton. I was so blessed to go spend three days with Trent Shelton in Texas on his Protect Your Peace experience. Um, I painted a portrait of Trent Shelton that I got signed. I got to eat dinner with him. I got to go hiking with him. And, and he prayed over me. And I still follow and listen to him every single day because he really thought he was supposed to be in the NFL and God had a whole other plan for him. And so, you know, when I read his book and he was just like, this, this is it for my life. And then he's so much more, uh, um, blessed and, and being used more than ever in the NFL. And so, um, so I started just picking healthy leaderships to start listening to books. Oh, I didn't even turn on my TV for two months, two months. I didn't turn on my TV. I would go to work, come home and start reading, whether it was Joyce Myers, Trent Shelton, Mark from Casting Crowns. I just read, 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 took notes, took notes and really invested in myself just thought, I'm worthy. I'm enough. Trent Shelton would push that down your throat. You are enough. And don't you ever make anybody make you feel like you're not enough. If you're enough for God, your creator, then you're enough for anything. Woo! You have expressed that so beautifully right now. Speaking of the music that you're inspired by, I was smiling, remember, one of my darkest moments when I was led to the music of Mandisa. And I remember I found her on a Christian radio station and I was completely taken by her spirit spirit singing the words that were just coming through her. When I was speaking of the shame and judgment, you did share about the workshop. I was actually speaking also or more so about your journey with drinking, where you got to the bottom and you thought, why do I keep doing this? And your words were that you kept coming back with more conviction, more conviction. Stop, stop. That is the part that I wonder, how do you push that kind of shame and judgment away when it is something that is so big in your life? It has become a part of your identity. How did you release that shame and judgment? 
Um, I had to. I had to die to self. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to die to self and what you want and totally trust that what God has for you is way better than what you want. And my way wasn't working. And I had to just admit that and be totally transparent and say, my way isn't working. And I've even done videos where I've said, you know, my way is not working. It's so I'm going to take the the, low, the road less traveled and I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm going to listen to him when, you know, anytime God gives us um, uh, symptoms, that that's that means that, you know, something bad is on the way. Red flags. Same thing. I it used to be such a fixer but I really needed to fix myself. But I thought if I could fix other people, I could fix me. But I couldn't fix other people. And so it left me even more broken and then me having to, to, to be more fixed. So don't, don't be a fixer, people. Don't be a fixer. Be a helper. Be God's hands and feet. But I had to learn not to get so personally invested and and to fixing somebody because that's God's job. I had to realize that wasn't my job. And so, and it was God's job to fix me, but I had to get proactive. I had to get proactive. That's the thing is I could not stay where I was. I could not stay stagnant where I was. I wasn't growing, I wasn't developing, and I wasn't being the person that God created me to be. And I knew I was running from a calling. I wasn't called to preach, but I, I am definitely called to public speak. And I'd love to help young women since I, ha I have so much knowledge about toxic relationships. Now, like, I will not settle. Like, there is no more settling for me. It's either, you know, God's way. God has my heart. I gave him my heart and I said, the right man for me will chase after you to get my heart. I just felt such shame. And then I listened to a Joel Osteen message about how Jesus took the disciples 50 miles out of their way, granted they're walking and saying, I have got to go see this woman. It We're, we're doing this. And I'm sure they're murmuring and complaining and grumbling like, we're wearing sandals, our feet are tired. We got to walk 50 miles out of the way for this woman. And I thought to myself, and I carried so much shame around for that for so long, that if back then, if God would walk 50 miles out of his way for that woman to tell her that she is loved and that, you know, go and make better decisions. And, you know, she wouldn't even go into town because she was mocked. I mean, back then they were stoned. If you could please share one last story here, and it's about the fact that you are a an amazing tattoo artist. And I know your journey to getting there was also fraught with a lot of mental anguish, emotional anguish, which is part of what High Vibe Connection what we're teaching here is that high vibe connection, connecting with this source energy is about pushing away the thoughts that burden us. So if you could give us just a little bit 
about that journey and how you walked through all of it to find the courage to become this very well-known and award-winning tat artist that you are today, who, by the way, is going to be doing my tat on my birthday, which I have dreamt of for many years since my divine download, that one of my many divine downloads. I'm excited to do that for you. I am too. So please, if you could, Rhonda, just... So I'm going to try to make this a little bit brief. And, and, and there and again, this is how God takes bad and turns it into good. So when I was very young and I had two little girls, I was in a horrible, abusive relationship where this man was just beating me senseless. And so I had a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. And the 18-month-old would not let go of my leg when he would beat me and the three-year-old would go into her room and cry and scream and beg. Now this was not their father. So, but he had an alcohol problem. So it was not, he was raised in a home where his father beat his mother. So it was kind of, you know, just something that, that all the, all the boys had, they all beat whoever they were with. And I thought, how am I going to get out of here alive? He is going to kill me. There's like, I have no car. I have no money. I have nothing. Uh, I, I, you know, so one day my three-year-old wakes me up. I'm on the couch. I have two huge black eyes, four broken ribs. Mommy, he's not our daddy why we hate him. Why do we have to stay here? So I get them in a stroller and it's like a mile to the payphone. So I go to the payphone, call my mother. She's scared to death to let me go back down to Florida. So I called my sister who was in Sevierville because I lived in Greenback at the time. And I said, if you don't come and get us, this man is going to kill us. I'm telling you, I, I know you don't like children, but I need you. So she said, just grab all your clothes, grab the kids' toys, leave all the furniture. We'll be there uh, in an hour and a half. So she came and got me. Of course, he broke in her house, tried to come back after me. Okay, so we dealt with all that. And so I went and I thought, what am I going to do? Now, I was raised, raised with a really great work ethic. I wasn't allowed five extra dollars to go to the skating rink unless I did an extra chore. So um, so I went to a car lot, like a buy here, pay here car lot, walked in there, two little babies, my sister, and I said to this man named Jerry Reagan, who's now passed away, I said, I know you don't know me, but... If you give me a chance so I can get a car, I have $500 down that my grandma sent me, I promise you I will never, ever miss a car payment, ever. But just give me two weeks to get a job. And he's looking at me like, oh, my God. He never asked me what happened to me. I was 98 pounds, beat, I mean, just so beat to death. And uh, he said, okay, I'm not going to give you my best car, but I'm going to give you my most reliable car. So it was, and it was still a nice car. It was a Buick Regal. So the daycare that I put my kids in was right next door to his car lot. So I did put a bunch of makeup on, got a job in Gatlinburg. So I would drive from Sevierville to the daycare, all the way to Gatlinburg, all the way back to Sevierville, and got on a list for government housing. And so they were building those at the time. And so I never missed a car payment. 
three months later, the apartment was ready. I moved into my own apartment. So I now had a car and a job and an apartment. So a year and a half later, I'd say roughly about a year and a half. I mean, I couldn't even look up at people. I was terrified to look at people in the face. And a year and a half later, he called me in his office and he said, you know, I hear that you do a little tattooing on the side. Is that true? And I said, yeah, it's just like a hobby. And he said, what if I was to tell you I have this really small building? It's not big. It's not grand. But it's on the parkway that I could set you up in and I could, how much money would you need? And I'll put it on your car loan to get you started. Well, of course, in my young mind, I'm thinking, yeah, what does he want from me? You know, like. And so I said, with all due respect, uh, Mr. Reagan, what do you get out of this? And he said, a long time ago, Rhonda, I was in a, in a situation very similar to yours. And a man helped me out. And the only thing that he asked me to do was to be successful and pay it forward to the right person. I've never found the right person. And I told my wife, when you came in and you were so beat, I, I, I was just floored. I was just floored to see that. And I felt like God was like, you need to help her. So we prayed about it. And God told me, you are the person I'm supposed to pay it for. Because other people make money. You probably have, what, $20 left out of your paycheck after you pay me in the daycare and, and your, you know, and you have never, ever, ever missed a car payment. And he said, but God told me it's you. And all I ask is that you be successful and you pay it forward. So I didn't know how much money to ask him for. I had no clue. So I asked him for like $2,500, which was brought, bought me just equipment. I had no money for what was called flash, which is artwork on the walls. So I'm drawing everything by hand. I'm the second shop in town. The other one was in Gatlinburg and I was down in Sevierville. And I did exactly what he asked me to do. And within one month, I had my car paid off and the money that he loaned me in one month. My first day I opened was in 1995, July 4th. I made $700 that day. And I used to have to work two and a half weeks for that on my regular job. I knew God saw every single tear that I cried when I was being beaten. I used to lay on that floor and say, God, if you get me out of this, I will serve you for the rest of my life. That day, not only having your children, you can always, you can't, I don't see how anybody doesn't look into the eyes of their children and not know that there's a God. But that day I knew that there was a God that was watching over me. And he said, if I can make a change in you and those little girls' lives, because he knew their dad wasn't paying child support. He was uh, addicted to crack. Then, then I have done what, this, what I promised this man that I would do and God to do. And I did pay it forward years and years and years later. But I made it successful. I was just die hard into making it successful. And I saw him for many years on Christmas and told him, without you, I don't know where would my life be? You took this chance on. And he said, in a year and a half, I watched you. You wouldn't even look at me in the face. And I watched you grow and I watched you heal. And I could tell that your children were your world. 
And I've never had somebody come in here just beat to hell and asking me for a chance. And I didn't have anything to lose by giving you that car. I could have just went and took it back. But you did what you said you would do. And I'm always a loyal person. And I pride myself on being good for my word. And so, and here I am today, you know, I branched out from that to two shops, to one big shop. And it's all because this man chose to follow what God told him to do for me. And I will never forget that. But I got proactive. I had two little babies to take care of and a sister that wasn't very happy that we were there. But I owe my sister my life. She saved my life and she didn't come and get me. We, we were as good as dead. No matter how dark your journey, there is light. Yes. I remember thinking about that for the first time. And thank you, Rhonda. What you just shared, what you have shared in this podcast with all of our listeners has been so raw, so real, so vulnerable. And you and I both know what you are sharing from your wisdom, from your intuition, from your learned experiences. It is creating an even greater domino effect of awareness in this world of why it is so important to stay connected, to get connected, to get connected with this high vibe energy And once you get it, to keep growing it and to know, as someone shared with me at one point, no matter how dark the world, if someone were to light a candle, you would see that light because light dissipates darkness. Yes, it does. I think of that whenever I am in my darkest moments. Whenever I am feeling, how can I take the next breath? And I've had those moments where I truly, there was a time where I can't tell you positively I would have been here today because I didn't know how to keep going. But that visual, that knowing that I am so loved, that awareness that there is light in the darkness kept me going. And what I would love for you, not that you haven't shared so much already, but I love ending these discussions, these sharings with one word, one statement, a words of wisdom that you would love to leave our listeners with, knowing that what you are sharing today is helping to create a catalyst. It is, it is a catalyst for astounding growth, evolution, transformation in this generation and generations to come. Yes. Last thing that you would like to leave our listeners. So, um, and I had to write this down so I wouldn't forget it because I know it's going to be important. But uh, telling your story and sharing your scars is your ministry. You're not a part of the audience of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. And this is what we do. We love Jesus. We show our scars. That's why I'm so transparent. I don't mind to show my scars because 
I, it, it glorifies him that he has healed me. Even though the scars remain, I don't have the, the wounds anymore because he has bounded our wounds up. But uh, we tell our story and every believer can do that. And when we do, we are certain to be doing the very next thing that God wants us to do. <laughs> you know, if my entire podcast series was my first podcast where I just sat there and spewed my story, and then this interview, I'd be good. <laughs> because what you have shared, what we have been able to put together in this recipe of love and peace and joy and learning is truly a gift. We have created a gift for the universe. Thank you. And yes, the scars are there always to remind us, to remind us of where we were and where we are and where we're going. I remember this always. I will well, you know, Donna, we don't have to see the whole staircase, just the next step. And if we could see the whole staircase, we probably wouldn't even attempt it. But once we get to that step, the Lord will show us the next step. So everybody wants to see the whole staircase. I just want to see the next step. That's it. When we trust, when we trust deeply in this beautiful high vibe connection, knowing that God, that source, that all that is, the feminine divine, the universe, that we are so loved, so embraced, that no matter what we get to have today, for right now, whatever we get to do, we don't know about the next moment. I say we get to have today. We get to have this moment. We don't know what's going to happen the next moment, but we do. What we do know is we get to treasure this moment and do the best that we can without trying to be perfect, simply doing the best that we can, staying connected with this beautiful High vibe energy. Yes. Rhonda, as I say to all of my guests, and I say to you, my dear friend, may there be the light of God in your thoughts, the love of God in your words, the peace of God in your heart. And I say, namaste. I honor your beautiful spirit as I honor my beautiful spirit. Thank you. My and friend. I honor yours too. And I receive that. I do receive that. You are a beautiful, beautiful soul. And you've been a life coach for me. And you've always, always been there for me when I've just needed to vent or say something or, or meet you. Or it, it's just been like you are one of the hugest blessings that God has ever allowed me to meet. Thank you. You as well. And I just... I can't help but just to be who I am, as I know you are. <laughs> All we can do is keep sharing the love and keep being there to support one another in this beautiful high vibe connection. Thank you again, my beautiful friend. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Okay. You Bye. have a blessed day. Have a blessed day, everybody. You too. Bye, darling. Bye. 
Well, there you have it. Episode six with the golden thread of magic and manifestation that comes from high vibe connection. When we simply step into the energy of knowing we are loved by an infinite source that some like Rhonda call Papa. Thank you, thank you for your gift of following this podcast and sharing it with others. I love, love hosting new episodes for you every week. And I always include, just in case you're wondering, in the episode notes, links for you to contact my guest if you so desire. I've coached and guided many, many throughout the years. If you'd like to start the new year by meeting with me virtually, let's do it. Or if you'd like me to answer a question in one of my podcasts, you can reach out to me directly at Donna-Lisa at thewowevolution.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll keep you up to date with what's coming up in 2024, including what I started last week, DL's Coffee Talk, where my Jersey girl, Jordana, and I go live on Facebook every Friday for an hour of conversation that tantalizes the imagination, stimulates the ponderings, and I promise it includes lots of laughs and OMG, I can't believe I just said that moments. Pull up a chair and join us and our guests every Friday at 8 a.m. on the West Coast, 11 a.m. on the East Coast. Our motto, anytime is coffee time. These moments we share together are my divinely inspired gifts from the universe that I am continually and courageously creating here on the World Wide Web simply because with every ounce of my being, I want to help you connect intimately with the knowing of why you're here, why you are a -a one-of-a-kind miracle like no other. Until next time, know that I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. And I love that we're able to spend this time together. I'm sending blessings and light and love. Let's make 2024 the best year ever. And remember, you have the choice every day to connect. So just do it. Be the light.